We've been going through, obviously, Galatians, if you're following along and you've looked at version. The title uh, this week, Two Religions, Two Ministries, uh, is, is something that we have a hard time getting our mind around um, as Paul is trying to articulate the difference between what it means to be just saved by grace and, and loved because of Jesus, because He has created a way, and our own efforts. They're two different things. And Paul lays it out a little more clearly here, even as we follow along in these verses today. And I want to just sit there in the simplicity of it today. The seasons of your life, right? The time that you spent in your life before you knew really who Jesus was. The time that you spent embracing those times and, and, and those things of life. And then who you became immediately afterwards, and I hope that all of you have had that experience to, to understand the excitement, the pure joy of feeling grace. Because you feel differently in that moment knowing that the weight of that stuff is off of you. Now, if we could just stay there, that's what Paul is warning us, right? That we, would, that we would just understand that Jesus took care of it, that we don't have to systematize it from that point on. Maturity doesn't mean having a system and following it and making sure that we're doing everything we're supposed to do today. But it's about becoming who Jesus really wants you to become. And so as we look at it, he starts out right off the bat in chapter 4, verse 8 of Galatians. And it's a simple sentence. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. And he's talking specifically to a group that would have worshipped idols, man-made idols. He would have been enslaved to these things. And many around our world still are, still practice, and are enculturated by worshipping something inanimate. Something that doesn't have any life in it. And that's specifically what he is saying here to the Galatians. That you're worshipping things that are not gods. If you've taken the trip to Atlanta with us, if you've been to a, a, a Hindu temple or other places like that in your life, you know that there are certain times when, when they bring a platter of food out, fruits and other things, and they lay them in front of a marble creation. They lay them there as priests put them down, and they close the curtains so the gods can eat. And you... Just wait. And then they take the food away. <laughs> this is a picture of what he's talking about specifically. That in Galatia at that time, there had risen to prominence this idol worship. This was a, a Greco-Roman culture that would have been, right? The, you know some of the gods, Zeus, right? You know some of these names that, that they created in culture, and they worshipped these, these Athenian gods, right? 
That meant that they took what they had and they possessed, and they would, if they were having trouble conceiving a child, they would go to the God of fertility and they would present a gift to this statue and pray that they would have a child. They were worshiping these as if they were gods and they were not. Inside of America, we have, yes, those cultural strands, but we're a melting pot of of different religions. You can still see that act here. We've seen it. We've been to different places where they actively worship inanimate objects. But this warning is not just for those who are of a Hindu or other religion where they make these idols the prominent piece. This is a warning to all of us before Jesus. Not to worship the home that you live in. Not to worship your family as your Savior. Not to worship those things that take the place of God. He says, formerly, before you knew God, you worshiped those things that were not God. And a lot of us, and many of us, if not all of us, struggle with that in some way, shape, or form. God's Word is to people. It is to the human race, not just to the Galatians, right? Because human nature is in and through all of us as a, as a creation. And so the reason these words echo true even today is because Paul said them in such a way that, that we can understand them. That we have things that we chase after. That job that we think will fix everything in our life. That perfect position, that, that neighborhood where my kids will have all the friends they ever dreamed of, right? We chase things still. And we replace God with those things at times in our life and in our pursuits. We apply much more energy to those things than we do just pursuing God. That was our former life. That's what you're supposed to lay aside when you get to know God. That one simple little statement that you were slaves to those who were not by nature gods. Before Christ, why did you do what you did? That will answer the question. Before you knew who Jesus was, and maybe even today when you struggle it, why do you do what you do? Boil it down to that simple phrase each day. Is it to make sure that retirement's cared for so I can travel and do what I want to do? Is that why I do what I want to do? Because that should have been left before Christ, right? When you run into Jesus, that should change. What you do should be out of an overflow of understanding then of His grace and His mercy that salvation has been given to you as a gift, that the earning is over, right? 
The doing is not what it is. The becoming has started. The doing has been let go of. The becoming has started. That our hearts are changed from the inside out. And then out of the overflow of how our heart leads and how we change and how we pursue Jesus, then it changes what we do. How we act, how we treat each other. When, when you read the Scriptures, it doesn't say love is a great employee. Love saves for retirement. Love, right? No. Love is patient. Because that's harder. Let's be honest. I can't track that until it's too late, right? When I, I know when I've, when I've not been patient. <laughs> Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It's about becoming, developing the innate character that rests in us because of Jesus. There aren't specific things you can do and that's on purpose. Because it gets in the way, right? When, when we talk about being saved by grace through faith, it's not by works because we would just brag about it. We would just pin it on the outside. We would probably have placards on our yard, right? A little thermometer that says, this is how I've been this week. <laughs> and my house is better than your house because of my good deeds. Like, that's how we orient ourselves, right? We, we want to, to be competitive with each other. And if we have a list, it's a whole lot easier. Trying to outpatient somebody is not very much fun. <laughs> understanding how to leave that in your former life. When you really understand who Jesus is. The simplicity of Him changing your heart. The Old Testament would say that we had hearts of stone that were then made into hearts of flesh. We've been, we've been softened. We've been made human. Things have literally been changed. You've been a new creation in Jesus, right? All of this imagery denotes something changes from my former way of life to who I am now. Not how I act necessarily right away, but who I am changes in an instant. Those seasons come and go, and as we understand that we're saved by grace, that's why it's so important to remember those times. To be able to ask yourself, when did I really commit myself to Jesus? It's okay to think about that. And, and am I still in that same place that I was that day? The next phrase, verse 9, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? It couldn't be much plainer, because we have that opportunity and for me, I was probably eight years old when I first went to vacation Bible school and said, yes, Jesus, I think you're 
You're it, right? And I prayed with, with Kurt Miller there in his office down in Everett, Pennsylvania, and, and I believe salvation was there, but did I really understand it as an eight-year-old? Probably not. I understood that I loved Jesus at some point and at some level, but it wasn't until I really recalibrated who I was and who I wanted to be by the end of my high school years that I really started to say, wait a minute, I had gone through, like I've said before, four young men my age dying in a year's time, actually six months, and, and it caused me to, to think, my life is not as long as I want it to be all the time. I better be doing the things that I should be. And I had to really think about this. Who do I want to be? What do I want to become now that I understand and I know God and He knows me? What does that change in who I am? At the core, why do I do what I do? It's not something that, that we're often thinking about, right? Our motivation changes as things change circumstantially in our life sometimes, right? Things rise to the level of importance and fall and wane. And, and the hard thing is to keep that as the priority. To continually ask yourself, how am I going to react to my circumstances based on what I know to be true of God? How am I going to handle the adversity? How am I going to handle the good times? Because someone once told me, another pastor, that good things weigh the same thing, same as bad things. They're heavy, right? I, I feel it. When things are going well, I feel a responsibility to keep it going, right? Somehow it's me. Like I must be doing something, right? I've got to figure out what the formula was for the last couple of weeks and recreate it, right? And when things are going bad, it's my fault too, right? What did I do? And, you know, I didn't wear those pair of socks that I was supposed to wear last Sunday, and the Steelers, man, they just were lousy. I had nothing to do with my socks. They're just lousy. <laughs> the opportunity that we have to think about how am I going to react to circumstances to revisit that phrase that, that says now that you are known by God or rather that God knows you that you've allowed your heart to be known that changes to be able to live in that moment where grace was born. Where you understood all that pressure was not on you. That you first understood the gospel at its purest and truest form. Because Paul gives us a warning. <laughs> We start to drift, typically. 
How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces, he says. Do you want to be enslaved by them all over again? Are you observing special days and months and seasons and years? I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. And you're kind of confused, and I'm sure that the Galatians were too, because they're saying, wait a minute, Paul, I left the church of Athena. I don't worship those gods anymore. I serve Jesus. Look, this is what I do now. Right? And he's saying, can't you live in between? Can't you live in the grace that was pure and right and good? Do you have to follow a list? Because the Jews had come in and said, now that you know Jesus, it's Jesus and this festival and this holy day and this way you can eat and this way you can eat and And they were starting to follow just another list of ways to get to God, just like they had done before. They were just offering their their different offerings and themselves in a different way for the same purpose, so that it would look good, so they could achieve it, so they could... And it was already done. Paul said, didn't you listen? Didn't I waste my efforts telling you That it was done? Don't you understand that you should should do good things, but you don't have to think of them. Just love each other. Be kind. Be patient. Become the person that Jesus was exemplary of. Right? Over and over throughout the Gospels, Jesus exemplifies grace and mercy. He didn't have a to-do list. He didn't get up and say, here's what we're going to do today, boys, right? And who was frustrated with Him most? His disciples, right? Jesus, we got places to go. Right? He, they're, all, they're constantly saying to him, Would you just leave those kids alone and get over here? Right? Why don't you do what you're supposed to do? And Jesus said, You're missing it. You're missing it because you got to stop along the way and show people grace. Sometimes people need you to sit down and listen mercifully. Just be in that space with them. He's so worried, Paul says, you've just basically converted one religion for another. And he's worried that, they ha- that he has wasted his efforts on them because their faith is what is concerning to him. Their faith that Jesus 
is the one and only way to heaven. What they have started to do in Galatia and what we we have a habit of doing inside of our churches is saying, yes, we're going to preach Jesus, but if you come, here's some of the things that we would like you to do. I get beat up sometimes in some of the circles that I am in For years, we've done things in our community and we don't attach our name to stuff. We just don't. Because I don't do it just to get people sitting here. That's not the point. One of the first questions I get from most pastors around our country is, well, then how do you you get them back around to you? I don't. That's not my job. It has nothing to do with us, folks. God is calling whom He will. God is working in hearts and minds of people today, ironically, to prompt them to go trick-or-treating on Thursday. Because the weather's going to be nice, right? And the parents are going to be more apt to take their kids out. And they're going to bump into some guy on the corner down here giving them a bag of popcorn and inviting them here for pizza. What we get to do is be graceful and shower them with mercy. And let God do the rest. There isn't a formula. That's what Paul was so worried about. Throughout the entire New Testament, everywhere he went, these Jews followed him and said, yes, Paul, you're right, and we'll fix the church while you're gone. (laughs) Right? But Jesus, our example, the one that knows us and knows our hearts, understands why you do what you do. That there is a depth there that our culture doesn't embrace. Paul is articulating something that happens inside of every group of people. They gravitate toward a formula, toward a a system that works more than why it's working. My job is to unleash the church. Not put you under bridle and tell you where to go and how to do it and what to do and what achieves the most success. My job is to tell you, go love on people the way God created you to do it. And we will be much more effective in our world.
Now that places a heavy responsibility on individuals in our church. We can come here and gather and be encouraged and know that we're in it together. That's the beauty of what happens on Sunday morning, that you look around and you go, hey, wait a minute, they're doing it too. That's the goal. That we would understand that as believers that we don't just attend or tithe or serve to continue to keep our salvation card intact, but that that's already been done and that it's a response to that. That we respond out of the overflow of grace that's been given to us and we pour it out into the lives around us. Because you can't use all the grace that God has given you. It's not possible. The closing verses, I'm going to skip down to 17 to 20. Paul talks to them about his relationship with them while he's there and how much he loves them and how much they love him. And then he warns them. And he says, those people, talking about the Judaizers, talking about those that are systematizing religion, are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may feel zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. And to be so always. Not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone. Because I am perplexed at you. He's writing to these folks as if they are his his children. That he has an opportunity to to guide them and direct them. And, And this goes right to what we talked about last year. As we're formed and to be created in the image of God. And to be redirected and to be children of God. Paul is saying, this is the opportunity that you need to understand that that what I am saying, I wish I could come there and change my tone. (laughs) Right? He's writing to them, and and sometimes if I need to get a message across to one of my kids, I'm probably not going to send it by text message. Right? It doesn't nearly get across the way it would as if he's looking in my eyes. That's what Paul is saying. I wish I could come to you and change my tone and help you understand how important it is that you act like children of God. That Christ would be formed in you. That you would reject these do's and don'ts. That you would reject the religion side of it and understand that Jesus took care of it. That's not your responsibility. That you cannot achieve any more than what you've been given. The ultimate goal of any parent is that a child would embrace what they have learned and apply it to life. Right? And that's what Paul is trying to communicate. 
that the time he spent with them introducing grace and mercy to them should have formed something different in their hearts that, that would lead them to maturity in Christ. Not just that they would do the same things in life to a different religion. <laughs> But that their hearts would be changed and they would pursue Jesus with their hearts. And as you pursue Him, what you do flows out of that. That as you read how Jesus lived His life, you stop along the way. For your own benefit to rest and to pray as he did often. For others' benefit just to listen. To pour out grace and mercy and make them feel as if they are loved by God. Those opportunities will come if you will follow Jesus. If you will pursue Him with your heart. The reason that we have it on the bulletin board back there and we have formulated so many phrases and other things about understanding our life's work <laughs> is encapsulated in that Romans 11.36 that everything is from Him and through Him and to Him. That's it. That every day is a gift to us to be used as God would. <laughs> For the benefit of all He's created. And then at the end of the day, be thankful that we got to do what we did that day. I can't give you a list of things that will make you feel good about yourself. That's not my job. I can tell you that the God of the universe, the creator of our world, loves you and has already given and extended a gift of grace and mercy to you individually that assures 100% your eternity. And if you accept that, then He has some good things for you to do today that are already there as long as you're willing to listen and pay attention to those around you and open up your heart and your life to those around you. The opportunity is there to be used in that capacity. The simplicity of the gospel, those seasons of life, that we could find our way to live in that grace that we knew when we understood it most completely, when we felt it first, and want that for others around us. To really desire to see someone else catch it is what Paul's talking about. He's literally saying, I'm going through the pain of childbirth to see Christ formed in you. It's, it's this excruciating pain that He's 
I can't bear to watch, right? It's a process. As we mature, it's not about being better at doing the good things more often than the bad things. <laughs> it's about learning how to be kind and good and generous and loving. All of those things about who you are becoming matter. When those things are right, what you are doing will be good. <laughs> And we'll be seen as something different in our world that will open the door to let you talk about Jesus. That's the challenge, is to open your heart up, spend time with the Lord this week, think about your former life before Christ. What was it that you worship? What is it that I struggle with even today to, to set up as my priority in the day? What, what are those idols that creep in? that I think are very important to me and to my success? What are those strongholds that need to be eliminated for me to become more like Jesus? To allow myself more space and more freedom to just love on people? Think about it.